This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Minigame, a podcast about video game stories and why we love them. I'm Michael Ferris. Over the last decade, Fallout has transformed from a somewhat niche turn-based RPG series to one of gaming's most recognizable franchises. This is due in large part to a change of genre and developers, from developer Interplay making difficult turn-based RPGs to Bethesda creating a first-person shooter with RPG elements with Fallout 3. While the two directions of the series share many of the same branding elements and narrative canon, they are vastly different in their narrative themes and how they use the environment of the nuclear wasteland. The story of Fallout 1 has a pretty terrifying setup. You are the dweller of Vault 13, a vault that was supposed to preserve the ideals and values of a pre-war society. One problem though, the water purification system is on the fritz and everyone in the vault will die in 150 days if repairs cannot be made. The overseer of the vault orders you to go out into the wasteland to find a replacement water purification chip. As you leave and the door to your home shuts behind you, you're equipped with only a few rusty weapons, meager supplies, and the corpses of a few dead animals at your feet. It immediately sets the tone for an oppressive and dangerous environment. On your journey, you find yourself in the middle of a conflict between the survivors of the apocalypse and an army of super mutants who believe themselves to be superior to humans and a natural evolution for the species. It's here that I want to talk about how the gameplay affects the storytelling of Fallout. Because the game is rooted in the rule set of tabletop RPGs, talking to characters is usually the first default action you will take most of the time. This allows you to truly learn the intricacies of the world and the motivation of the character's actions. Take one of the first towns you visit as an example, the town of Junktown. The town has two main figures fighting for power. The first is Killian Darkwater, the goody-two-shoes mayor who is trying to maintain the status quo. And the second figure is Gizmo, a schlubby, Trumpian figure who runs a nearby casino and who wants to turn Junktown into an economic boom of a trading outpost for both legal and illegal goods. Since you are relatively new to the wasteland, neither option feels particularly correct, since the status quo looks rather bleak and Gizmo just seems like a genuinely terrible person. The game does not default to one side or another, so you need to talk to both men and the rest of the citizens of the town to see what option would be the most beneficial. This teaches you that not every option you make will be a good one or a bad one, and there are multiple solutions to most problems. Every character has a unique and valid point of view. Even the super mutants themselves are shown to be intelligent beings and deserve to be heard. Even the main bad guy of the game who is responsible for the war of the super mutants can be talked into stopping his plans for the greater good. There is no paragon or renegade system telling you what is right or what is wrong. Your stats and knowledge of the world dictate your dialogue choices in conversations. 
So in a lot of ways, all you can do is try your best and listen to what NPCs tell you. Only through failure in dialogue does combat start. Finally, at the end of the game, when your quest is complete and you have the water purification ship, you return to Vault 13. The overseer there thanks you for your work, but tells you that you cannot come home. The vault was supposed to preserve the old ways, the old society. Your adventure into the wasteland has changed you, and you no longer belong in the vault. You are no longer of those old ways. The wasteland is your new home. It's a moment in which you're supposed to reflect on the world as a whole and how it changes people. Some for the better, some for the worse. With Bethesda at the helm, Fallout 3 does not have the same levels of subtlety. As a dweller of Vault 101, your father breaks the rules of the vault and escapes for reasons you are not aware of. You awaken one day with alarms blaring and the overseer's daughter hands you some supplies and wishes you the best. A few minutes later, guards ambush your room with guns blazing and you're given no choice but to fight back. You follow in your father's footsteps with blood and guts at your feet. Talking or trying to reason your way out of violence is not an option for most characters in Fallout 3. As you exit the vault, the horrors and uneasiness of Fallout 1 is gone, and you're given a weird feeling of freedom and a bizarre optimism. You are no longer at the mercy of the world. The world is at the mercy of you. The narrative of the game and the world of Fallout 3 are competing with each other. The narrative of the game is a linear progression as you follow in your father's footsteps as you learn about his ambitions to provide clean water to everyone in the capital wasteland through Project Purity. It's weird, you are not the protagonist of the game, your father is. All of the major plans and decisions that Project Purity can make are made by either your father or his assistant, not you. This makes for a very passive feeling narrative in which your only choices amount to either being an ultimate hero or a comically evil villain. The world of the game, however, is the exact opposite. The world encourages player-driven exploration as you visit various settlements and cities as you go through smaller scale stories. It's more fun and engaging than the main story, but makes the experience as a whole feel inconsequential. Fallout 4 continued this tradition of a linear narrative and an open world, but Fallout 76 blew it out of proportion. Fallout 76 is one of the few games that I think is actually about nothing. Sure, there is a story in which you, again, follow in the footsteps of another character, namely the overseer of Fallout 76, but it's so slight and passive to be mostly non-existent. Even the side quests have little story, taken the form of audio logs of the citizens of West Virginia. The only theme that really shines through is the consumption, reuse, and destruction of scrap in the environment. Like in Fallout 4, you collect scrap in order to upgrade equipment and build a settlement, but it's mostly meaningless for either gameplay or narrative reasons. The story of the game eventually allows you to launch a nuclear weapon of your own. This leads to a very strange feeling in the narrative. This is a series that took nuclear weapons seriously as the destructive force that they are. 76 treats them as fun toys that only have a temporary effect on the world. Since Fallout 76 is an online game, 
Anytime that a player launches a nuke in the environment, the effects only last about four hours, and then everything abruptly returns to normal. I do not know what we are supposed to take from this change in theme. That nukes are fun things to play with? That the world doesn't matter just as long as you have fun in it? The Settlers expansion coming out this year complicates this further. And this may sound a bit nitpicky or that I'm taking this game a little too seriously, but this game is canon in the Fallout series and it's technically the first game in the timeline. This is not just some weird offshoot. Maybe Bethesda just doesn't care. As long as people are buying their paid currency and buying microtransactions, who cares if something is canonical or thematic? Well, I care, and I think Interplay did too. Today's gamers might find Fallout 1 and 2 to be a bit difficult and dense by modern standards, but I think if you really give them a chance, I think you'll get more out of them than you would with Bethesda's take on the series. Thank you very much for listening. Executive producer of the Lore Party Podcast Network is Abu Zafar. Minigame is written and produced by Michael Ferris. Original music for Minigame is produced by Lawrence Kelly. Follow Lore Party on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. And check out our website at loreparty.com. Subscribe to Minigame in your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps me grow the show. Thank you very much for listening.